he cannot see himself dribbling. He cannot see himself shooting. He cannot see himself passing. Someone else is, but they see things that he, for his level, and how to take him up to that next level. Same thing in business. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, biz coach, Steve Feld. Steve, how's it going? Excellent. And yourself? Awesome. Thanks. Give everybody the 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Well, I am biz coach Steve Feld. I'm a business marketing strategist, and I work with coaches, small business owners, and entrepreneurs, helping them get to six and seven figures without burning themselves out. Nice. And God knows we need your help right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's back up the bus a little bit. How did you get into coaching for, say, um, period? Let's start there. Well, I've owned and operated seven businesses and ran three others. My very first business was writing, well, it started off with marketing plans or business plans, then it went into marketing plans, operational plans, and then coaching my clients to get VC money, venture capital money. And since that time, no matter what I've done, what business I ran, what business I owned, everything kept coming back to my passion, which was I get, I'm so sick of seeing small business owners fail. And that's my passion is to stop that, turn that trend around. So give them the resources and the knowledge to survive and thrive and build a long-term sustainable business. So everything kept coming back to me, helping small business owners, entrepreneurs, and coaches. I love it. So what do you see are some of the biggest mistakes that uh, entrepreneurs are making in their business that keep them small and non-profitable? Like I've never done those mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking from example, and. (laughs) Yeah, in there, done it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. I think we all have really. I don't know if it's like a requirement of being an entrepreneur that you have to, you know, put your ego in the way of all gains or what it is. But that's the number one thing is get your ego out of the way. You think you know your business better than anyone else. I'm telling you right now, there are people that have been there, done it, tried it, failed, succeeded way before you, and they will be there afterwards. So the biggest problem I see with small business owners is not asking for help. That is hands down. I've been there the day I put my ego and pride and everything aside and swallowed my reality. I got help and it turned my whole life and my business around in 45 days. In 45 days. I worked hard. I was to the point, I was way beyond the breaking point, like dire straits. Home life was bad, didn't have a penny in the bank account, and just living on credit cards. It was just bad, bad, bad. And it's like I finally reached out for help and got the focus I needed, someone to really kick me in the butt in the best possible way, not mean, but gave me the right criticism and the constructive and the help because they can see things in you that you can't see in you. I mean, the way I look at it is Michael Jordan can have over 20 coaches and he's the greatest basketball player ever, in my opinion, then I can have one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and and I, I just have flashbacks to all the businesses that I ever ran that I didn't 
get coaching and I didn't get support in. And I was the biggest one that kind of ticks. Well, actually there was like five of them. (laughs) There's a few that ticked me off because I was looking out into the market and going, okay, I don't like the way they do it. I don't want to do it the way they do it. I don't like that. Therefore I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) Well, that was kind of really, well, I mean, smart and dumb. It was, yes, you have some innovative ideas and how do you get some support to be able to bring those innovative ideas to fruition so that you're not bringing innovation into a, a labored industry in a labored sort of way. Absolutely. And I mean, I've had a coach for God, I don't know how many years, I two coaches right now. They do different things in my life because they're experts in certain areas. I will not bring on a coach who has never owned and operated multiple businesses, period, because they don't know what it feels like. The same thing with me. It's like I've owned and operated seven, ran three others. Believe me, I know what a business owner is going to go through because I've been there waking up at two in the morning in a cold sweat, worrying how you're going to make payroll tomorrow. Been there. And so I get it. I I won't hire someone who's a corporate coach because I'm not a corporation. I am the business. I have coaches underneath me. I have staff, still the business. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best analogies I ever heard was um, Formula One racers that they have an entire crew of people that will watch the videos and they'll watch every aspect of, you know, coming into the pit, changing the tires, going out, racing, going around that bend. And they have specialists in each kind of almost area of what's going on and how do we improve it's. And I think that was a turning point when I realized that coaches aren't there to blame you for what's gone wrong in your business. <laughs> They're there to help you to succeed and get better. And um, talk to me about that whole notion because I think it really stops a lot of entrepreneurs, especially when their business isn't going the way they want them to. It truly does. I mean, that's why if you look at any sport team, it doesn't matter what sport you love. You're going to see the head coach, and then you see a whole slew of coaches, and you don't know what the heck they're doing. They're all doing this many things. They're watching one thing out on the field, on the pitch, on the court, whatever it is. They're there helping the players. So they're focusing just like that pit crew you're talking about. They each have a duty. But you know what? When you're in it and doing it, can you like pull yourself out and see yourself doing it? No, there's no way. Michael Jordan had a dribbling coach, a passing coach, a shooting coach, you know, mindset coach, a fitness coach. I mean, it just goes on and on. Why? He cannot see himself dribbling. He cannot see himself shooting. He cannot see himself passing. Someone else is, but they see things that he, for his level, and how to take him up to that next level. Same thing in business. It's like we're all here. If you want to go higher, then you need to get someone to really give you that eyeball on you to get you there. So talk to me about how when you work with somebody and seeing their potential that they can't see themselves. Oh, sometimes uh, there's some people I've worked with one guy, his potential, his, he was such a visionary. And we were just in our introductory meetings and I said, I bet your business is dying. And you have, are so creative. He's like, yeah, how do you know this? And I go, you're getting in your own way because you're idea, idea, idea. 
you probably have thrown out so many and now you're also trying to implement them at the same time. But every day you have a different idea. So you're left, right, left, right. We got to get you out of that. Stick to being the visionary. Let's put the right people in place. Now let's put a filter in there. Once we did that, had a filter person, the GM, his business took off like a rocket ship because now instead of going left, right, left, right and going backwards, it was a straight line. And it was like, if it didn't satisfy the mission of the company, we don't do it. End of story. But you needed to put the right person in where he didn't have a filter. And I've been there. I always try. Once I learned that trick, I in one of the companies I ran, I went and found a filter. That was my operations person. And they said, you stick to the ideas. I stick to the doing and saying yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Combine myself a filter. Hey, are you a filter? <laughs> I've been the operations person where I had to tell the CEO, we're not doing that. Because, and it actually moves the business forward because you're not all over the place. You're staying focused. Love that. And so give us an idea of what it looks like to work with you. What do you want somebody to come to the table with? And what are you looking to sort out and accomplish? And one of the first things I always say is, what is your goal for your business? What's your exit strategy? And 9.9 times out of 10, I get the like that blank stare at me. Like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to make money. Well, if we don't know, have a target, then how do we know when we get there? It's like, you know, you're talking about race cars. Well, what happens if they just said, go on this road? Well, where's it go? Just go on the road. We'll figure it out later. And meanwhile, you're driving aimlessly for years. <laughs> so you need to know where you're going to take your business, have that exit strategy. Are you building it to sell? How are we going to build this thing? Once we know the goal of it, now we develop a strategy to obtain that goal. Put in little milestones, those wins, if you will, along the way to get there. And then we have to get stay focused on what we need to do because as business owners, we're trying to do everything ourselves. And that's the kiss of death. If you don't like doing accounting, stop the madness. You're probably pulling your hair out, spinning a lot of wheels, and you're grumbling and causing nothing but frustration. Hire someone who loves doing it. It'll be the best money you've ever spent. And you're going to realize you're actually saving money by doing something like that. Oh, absolutely. One day of trying to sift through that crap. And I'm like, no, I will pay somebody to go through that stupid. It's not even a shoebox anymore. It's like yeah. that garbage bag full of receipts and crap. I'm like, not my gamut. Um, I mean, I haven't done that in years to her because <laughs> digital <laughs> software has, has helped her immensely. But I, it's just, it's not a... It has never been a point of interest to me at all whatsoever to sift through receipts of any kind and do reconciliation with them. Because, I mean, I'm happy to collect the receipt knowing that I may get some money back from it. That part I can have. <laughs> it's like every time the register goes cha-ching, I take the little slit of paper and go cha-ching back. <laughs> I, go, I might get some of this back. <laughs> there you go. Let someone else figure out how it goes in a profit loss statement and balance right. sheet. Or why and how and which ones yeah. should and shouldn't be there. This is awesome. So what, what kind of clients do you absolutely love to work with? Who are your favorites? My favorite clients are the ones who really want to have a successful business. Not just say it. 
but they take action to implement some strategies, they will have to change. I promise you it's all for the good. We, that's our hardest thing is changing as business owners. Don't tell me how to run my business. I'm not. I'm telling you how to make a successful business. That's what I'm after. You know your business, your industry, probably way more than I do. And I'm happy and I applaud you on it. I even had a guy who did wafer manufacturing chips way over my head with technology. And he goes, well, you don't know anything about chip manufacturing. I go, well, you clearly don't know anything about business because you're losing, you know, hundreds of thousands every month. So it's like, you know chips, I know business. Stick to your knowledge and let's use that to build your business that you want and make money so you don't go out of business. Once he got over that and he realized, I don't know business, we worked really well together. And even when he brought up all those tech terms and wafer stuff, I'm like, it's cost of goods sold, right? It's inventory, it's output. And he, once I broke it down in business, it's like he started understanding everything he did was business. It wasn't just chip manufacturing. It was a business. Nice. So, What's one of the biggest things that most people have resistance around in changing? Uh, the biggest thing is letting go. And I've been there. So letting go of all those things you're doing, you're micromanaging. And that's one of the biggest killers of most businesses. They get to a certain point, they just start making money. They hire staff just to fill a body in a, a role, but they won't let go and they micromanage them to death. And then they wonder why their business is going down backwards, not forwards. And they blame the employee. Well, you just don't know how to hire an employee. First of all, you've never done it. Second of all, you need to learn how to delegate. And that is a kiss of death. And I had to learn how to delegate in one of my businesses years and years ago. And I realized I'm going to hire everyone who's going to be smarter than me in this industry. Everyone's going to be smarter. Once I did that, we had team meetings every other week. They told me how things are going to be and what they needed. And I just supported them on oh, my business grew. And I, I had to go to them like, what was that all about? <laughs> and I was growing too. I was learning, but I knew business. I didn't know what they, that specialty did. And I hired the right people for it. Nice. So when you're looking at those people, I mean, I know I'm biased towards outsourcing, <laughs> you know, that's what I do. But when you're, let's look at hiring people, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs get freaked out and go, yes, but if I hire somebody better than me in this, that means I'm going to have to pay them more than I'm paying me and I'm not paying me squat. So how, how do you get people to overcome that conundrum? Like, is that really true? Let's do some numbers. Let's do the math. And I've yet to find anyone who said, well, they're going to cost more. What they're trying to do then is like a small business owner maybe has two employees is trying to hire a corporate person who's been in that role for like 40 years. Well, you're going for the farthest extreme that you shouldn't be going for. They're not a good fit for your business. So why are you using them as an example? Find the right people. I'll give you an example. I had a retail store. So, and it was custom picture framing. So I found people who were better designers better framers, better artists than I was. Their input actually helped my business. Did it hurt me, affect me? No, I was thrilled. I learned so much from them and they learned a lot from me because I'm doing my best to develop them. And my goal was in all my businesses, I tell my people, you're only gonna work with me for about two years. 
and they freak out. I'm like, no, I'm going to do my best to help realize your goals to where you want to be in your your path. And let me help develop you because you're going to help me and my company. Nice. You got to find, there are the right people out there. You could do so many creative things with payroll and compensation nowadays. And a lot of business owners are stuck on that whole hourly thing. And it's like, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those days are so over. <laughs> so, so over. <laughs> I mean, you could still go back to them if you really wanted to, but the options are just so much more vast right now. Yeah. Awesome. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of the clients that's worked with you. Yeah. This one guy, he had a great business, the weirdest industry I've ever been in. I didn't, I knew not this much about it. I can't even get my fist that zeroed. <laughs> Nothing. And we started talking and he was losing a million a month. A million a oh, month. Yeah. That hurts. Wait, it gets worse. Grossing 73 million a year. And you're losing a million a month. So we, oh. he had his home was now part of the business he had a second on the home that was now part of the business he had the bank banging on the door every day for regarding payments for the building he owns because he's behind a year of rent of lease payments he had every vendor now demanding cash for supplies and it was just horrible and the first thing we had to do is like get him out but we started looking at his pricing He's been in business seven and a half years and has not raised his prices a penny. And he was known as the cheapest in his market. Cheapest, not inexpensive, cheapest. So I said, first thing we got to do, let's look at everything. He goes, I have the same ingredients as the top end, same production, same everything. Why are you the cheapest? So he raised his prices 40%, which was a little bit even on my heart took a jump. <laughs> wow, it sounds like government. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So he lost, this is going to kill you, 0.0001% of sales. Wow. So I'll, I'll do the math with any business owner on how much you're going to think you're going to lose. You're going to be blown away. You will not lose business. You're going to lose such negligible. It's going to be better for you. So we tested it. And then the next two months later, he raised it another 25%. His business doubled. He was now known in the middle of the market, middle, even with all that. Wow. Two months later, another top of 25% increase. So he moved it up. Now he's the high upper middle of the market, got out of debt, paid off everything in seven months. Nice. Yeah. And it was just that one shift, but to get him to change the price was a hard shift. Once he realized that he was, you know, he saw all the market surveys, he gets all that. Mm -hmm. and it's those simple little shifts. Then we started looking at his production and his costs and everything else. And it was an all around effort. He brought in his team. It was a major shift in his business, but he, want, he was like, he was on this point of, like ending everything. 
everything. Uh-uh. He had an ex-partner uh-uh. suing him. A whole night. I mean, it was like there was not one positive thing except you have a great business. Aww. I'm I'm so glad that he got some help and reprieve when he did. That's yeah. awesome. So talk to me about that increase in prices because I know a lot of people get their um they have an issue with it. <laughs> I say a lot of them about that. They have an issue with it because they think it's just, oh, I'm charging a dollar now, so I'm gonna charge a dollar fifty. And sometimes that is the case because you're so far behind market norms that it just doesn't make sense not to and peeps don't ever try and compete with walmart they have it down to a fine science and they do shit that you will never understand so don't do that you will lose (laughs) don't you will lose all day against competing against walmart you are not the lowest priced so so is it just as simple as taking my widget and you know one xing and two xing and whatever or is there a little bit more complexity to that whole solution there's a little bit more. When I start looking at pricing, it's like, when was the last time you raised prices? Most small business owners haven't touched their pricing because they're afraid of losing that one client. Mm-hmm. Well, if we did the math, and I've done it so many times with people, even in their offices, showing them your costs have been slowly creeping up and your profit margin is slowly getting squeezed out, but yet you won't raise your prices a penny because you're afraid of losing customers. The customers you're gonna lose are the ones you actually do wanna lose. Those are the penny pinchers that if you increased it by a penny, they're gone because they're looking for the next deal. You wanna show value in your products and services. So you're not you're competing on price, which we will lose all day unless you are getting everything at the lowest cost. That's why you can't compete at Walmart or Costco. They're getting the lowest cost so they are the lowest price. You're not there. You need to show value and outbeat your competition because if you compete on price, now you're making it an apple app, apples to apples comparison to all your competitors and price is the only thing that matters in the consumer's mind. So you need to get over that. We start looking at that cost cutting. It's amazing how many times I've even found my annual fee in 90 minutes, a 90 minute conversation, just by looking at their financials and credit card statements, going, why are you still paying for a gym membership you haven't been to in five years? It was expired four and a half years ago. It's little things. But raising your prices, believe me, it won't hurt. Everything's going up. I've done this with CPA firms, which God forbid, they're all price sensitive. On one of them, we increased their... He went up, I think, 40%. And guess what? He lost the 20 clients he wanted to lose. And he actually gained more clients because people saw him now as a competitor in the market, not cheap. Nice. So talk to me about how somebody positions themselves after this. So they've created... They've upped their prices. They're now in kind of a relative competitive industry. How, what else changes? Is the conversation that they're having with people changing? Is it how, what was, what's the next wave of activity that has to happen? The one thing I look at is their marketing because I've been teaching this class three biggest lead generating mistakes and how to avoid them. And guess what? All small business owners make them because that's what we do. And I've been there, so I can say this. But it's our messaging. We're not targeting the right people. 
and we're not showing value for our own services or products. So by showing that value in your messaging and not sounding like the next person, and I don't mean to pick on HVAC people, air conditioning people, but all their ads look identical, identical. And then as a consumer, all we have to do is call them up and pray someone picks up a phone. Whoever picks up the phone wins the business. That's not good. If you're showing the value in your marketing and your advertising, then it's like, I just got to go to ABC air conditioning because, well, they're talking to me and they're going to pick up their phone. That's going to set you apart from all your competitors. Stop competing on price. You will lose at the end. I love that. So losing business, going <laughs> broke, some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be experiencing. What are some of the other um, not so obvious stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now and they're thinking, oh my God, Steve, I need you so badly. <laughs> one of the things I always hear, it's like I had one client, he, he told me, he goes, I got 34 problems every day. And I go, hmm. So you have 34 employees, huh? He goes, how'd you know that? I go, because you're seeing it as a problem. problem. So that's already a problem. And when we got into it, we found out he hired people because, well, hey, Michelle, I like you. Come on board. That was his hiring process. Oh, my. So <laughs> then he wondered why no one was producing anything or doing listening to him. So we changed his internal operations on his whole hiring process, got him kind of out of it. Mm. So it went to multi-checkpoints. We brought in an onboarding program to really get it. And guess what? All of a sudden, we started slowly shifting out the problems, which were he created himself. Or we actually worked with those people and said, listen, you're just in the wrong. You're the right person in the wrong role. And I've... Mm. One of the companies I was running, they wanted me to fire 20 some people. And I said, you know, you always clean your house before I walk in, because otherwise I'm now the, the bad guy. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fire them. Let me interview them all. I'm going to interview them for their own role and see if that's right. Ten of them were in the wrong roles. They were hired at something else and they were forced to go over somewhere else. Well, they didn't have that knowledge or that skill set. And the other 10 are like, eh, yeah, I had a buddy who just hired me. And uh, oh, I finally got caught. <laughs> so, hiring, get the right people on your bus. It will help you. I swear. I've, I can promise you this. Nice. Love that. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Yeah, I have well, my website is bizcoachsteve.com. B-I-Z, Coach Steve. And then they can always reach out to me. I'm just Steve at bizcoachsteve.com. I know, I make it real hard. <laughs> but I'm on a lot of social media platforms, LinkedIn, you name it, Facebook, podcasts, everything. Awesome. Give us the name of your podcast. Biz Coach and Coffee. Hey, hey. <laughs> got my coffee back there. <laughs> and he's got, actually got his real breath. coffee, like a whole brand of coffee, not just his personal cup of coffee. <laughs> no, it's... Branded like coffee. Brand. Yes. I awesome. am an avid coffee drinker. I hate something new about you. <laughs> awesome. So I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? After work, well, I noticed I was always going at, into a job 
and no one managed me. And I couldn't figure out why. And then finally, one day I asked, well, who was supposed to be managing me? Why don't you do a performance review on me? You do it on everyone else. Why don't we have weekly meetings like you do on everyone else? And they're like, listen, we just tell you this is what we need done. And you just go and figure out how to do it. And we give you the tools and resources to do it. Because we know if we got in your way, you'd be gone in two seconds. <laughs> and that person ended up being one of my mentors. So he recruited me to a brand new company where I was the fifth employee. Brand new company. I knew the, who the other four people above me were, and I believed in them. And they said, listen, you're going to create this whole new department. Well, what do you want it to look like? That's your problem. Just make us money. That was like my calling. Like, okay, it's my baby. And I just kept making them money and no one ever bothered me. And I started taking <laughs> nice. over like more and more of the job and no one bothered me. And I was like, this is getting weird. And then I started doing it with the vendors we were working with, going into their businesses and showing them how to do this. And then it was like, you know what? I'm tired of working for someone else. Why am I not doing this for myself? So I went and talked to my mentor. He's like, dude, no one's bothered you in 10 years. You've been your own boss for 10 years. You just get a paycheck from us. Right. And that's when I was like, see ya. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, there was 5,000 employees after when I left 10 years later. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. And what is one of the kind of funniest foibles you've ever made as an entrepreneur? Oh, my gosh. You mean those oopses? Like Yeah. The, oh, God. That so shouldn't have happened. But damn, that's funny. <laughs> I'm funny. I was about to start crying. Oh, no, we don't have sad ones. We have the funny ones. There's been so many oopses. And guess what, folks? I'm still here to tell the tales. <laughs> Life will go on. You're going to screw up in your business. I promise you, you're going to recover. I've said some dumb things to my clients, my customers, my vendors. I even owned a franchise business one time. And I, once I read my FTD, the franchise disclosure document, I did everything I could to, I think, irk them, but it wasn't in the agreement. <laughs> and so I made a lot of enemies with other franchisees because they saw me as breaking the rules when I was actually pushing the line to where it was in the agreement and they never read it. So I made a lot of enemies within my own franchise, but you know what? Out of all the local franchises that I was involved in, it was, I started making money at that point and they still were losing money because I went outside the box and I just got a nasty letter almost every week from the franchise or a, a cease and desist. And it, you know, it, it does take a mental toll on you. It does. It really does. But then I started realizing I am not breaking any contractual obligations. They're threatening me because I read the agreement. And I, I was in a dark place for a long time after getting all those nasty cramps. Uh-uh. But I realized, wait a minute, my store is making money and no one else's is. Hmm. <laughs> is it so bad crying all the way to the bank? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then the economic downturn hit. So mm -hmm. I had money in the bank, whereas all... Most of the others didn't because they were going like month to month. Yeah. They all disappeared. And 
here I was still standing. Good for you. Lesson in the day, get out of the box, get read your agreements <laughs> and oh bend some gosh. rules. I do that with franchisees now. Like, when was the last time you read your agreement? Well, I've never read it. <laughs> so you just took their word on everything. <laughs> oh, how many times has that happened? Absolutely. Steve, you've been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for your time and effort. I know how much it's worth and I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? Folks, I, I can say if you really want to grow your business, get the help. It might not be me. Just find someone to help you out, a coach, a mentor, an advisor, someone that's not related to you, first of all. So not your spouse. They see it differently. You have to go outside of your little circle and just get the help you need. A mastermind group. I love mastermind groups. I'm in one. And it, I feel like I go in with a problem and I leave like drained with a solution. Nice. So get the help in your business to grow it. Don't struggle. Don't do it all by yourself. It doesn't work. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Awesome peeps. This is Michelle. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends who'd like to grow and scale their businesses. And if you need help with that, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com. I'd love to hear from you. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.